This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Where To Go. I'm James Atkinson, Brand Manager at DKI Witness. And I'm Lucy Richards, Senior Editor at DKI Witness. And welcome to Where To Go, our podcast where we get to escape to a different part of the world every two weeks. And today, I believe, Lucy, we are yes. going to Lisbon. Yes, right? we are. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. Uh, so a very, very sunny place, really kind of cool, yeah. interesting sort of city. It's been kind of trending for the last couple of years. And yes. um, I believe you've been, right, Lisa? I have. I went I went back in 2016, sort of a, which was kind of a year before everyone seemed to be going to Lisbon. Yeah. Um, but oh, it's just, it's such a pretty city. It's, hmm. it's a really lovely city just to kind of walk around and get lost in. There's a neighbourhood called the Alfama, which is sort of this old district. And I remember that was kind of my favourite area. It's famous, obviously, for all its tiled walls, which are beautiful. Yeah, the Azazue Lost. Yes, tiles, well, right? yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Uh, um, I'm almost sh- certain that's not <laughs> correct, but we will see. We will see. <laughs> I, I drank a lot of wine. I remember drinking a lot of red wine. Strangely, so, so I know that Lisbon has the timeout market. You know, it's the timeout mm, food market. Mm. And strangely, we didn't go there. I have no idea why. Um, I don't have an excuse. That was what I, I definitely want to go. You know, when I make it back. Mm. But my favorite, Lisbon is home to my favorite bookshop. It's in an area called I think it's called the LX Factory. But I cannot remember the name of the bookshop. <laughs> so actually, um, Julia is our lovely producer and happens to live in Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Julia, do you mind? <laughs> sorry, putting you on the spot, but do you know? Do you remember what the name of the book? I've talked about it with you before. What the name of the bookshop is? Um, yeah, it, um, it's called Livraria Ler Devagar, which is like bookshop read slowly or to read slowly. Slowly, and it's it's so gorgeous, isn't it? It's, it's kind of like an old warehouse. It might have even been a printing factory or something and it's got floor to ceiling bookshelves and like a sort of a mechanical 
girls cycling over the top of the bookshop. It's so it's so gorgeous. Oh yeah, I've, I've definitely seen pictures of it. This is a yeah. You definitely need to um, look up pictures of it if you haven't been there because it is amazing. It's this massive, so pretty, massive bookshop. Um, there's like yeah, an old sort of. I think it's like maybe a printing press um, yes. on the top level. Yeah, um, and uh, it's a real lovely place to get lost in and spend. You could spend like a whole afternoon in there. I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's really great. Absolutely. And uh, so Julia has actually been living in Lisbon for, for most of the past year now, right? I think. Um, yes. Uh, yes, indeed. And, <laughs> and before we get our kind of special guest done today, seeing as though you're on the call now, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> uh, uh, do you have any of your uh, sort of favourite places? How have you found living in Lisbon in the past year? Yeah, sure. So um, I think I've been living here for almost the same amount of time as our special guest, Sophie. Um, and I um, I live on the other side of town to her. Uh, I live in the mm-hmm. old quarter, uh, which is next to Alfama, which was what Lucy, uh, yes. you, your favourite neighbourhood. I live in Moravia, yeah. which is um, kind of the Moorish uh town and actually it's yeah. it's the oldest part of Lisbon it's actually older than Alfama um, okay. mm-hmm. and um, I love it here it's it's really traditional Lisbon um, full mm. of azulejos, um, as you said, um, which are beautiful. Cl- so close, <laughs> definitely close with that pronunciation. Um, no, no, you did good, you did good. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's it's wonderful because from my, I can see right now, I can see the castle which is um, a really beautiful site. It's uh, surrounded by trees. Um, and then on the other side of my house, through my one other window I have, I can see um, this Miradouro de Graça, which is like a viewpoint, which I think Sophie's going to tell us about. Lisbon is uh, full of viewpoints because there's seven hills. So um, mm-hmm. you've got loads of different viewpoints over the city. And because of the hills, the view is really interesting and then you also can see the river which I love about Lisbon you can just um that kind of it's kind of like being near a beach I mean you are near a trip you're a train ride away from loads of lovely beaches but also being able to see that large mouth of the river quite a lot is really nice and sort of good for the soul I think mm. <laughs> wow yeah absolutely well uh thanks for giving us that little bit of insight yeah. Ju- uh, Julia and um <laughs> And now we will speak to our special guest, Sophie. Today, Sophie Cohenberry, a Lisbon-based travel blogger who made Lisbon her home last year, is here to join us. So welcome, Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Hi. Lovely to have you join us. Happy to join. From sunny Lisbon today, certainly looks a lot sunnier than here in London. (laughs) Yeah, the weather's pretty nice. No surprises at all. (laughs) Yeah, very, very, very jealous. So um, as we normally start things off, we'll hear from Sophie um, about what the city is normally like, the city of Lisbon, outside of the context of the pandemic. And then we'll briefly discuss the impact of COVID-19 on the city um, before we finish off with a hopeful note about the future of travel to Lisbon. We're recording this in July 2021, where Portugal is rolling out its vaccination programme, but they are still experiencing a sharp rise in cases. But obviously, we hope the travel can return to normal soon as the vaccination programme is rolled out across the world. So Sophie, uh, you kind of moved to Lisbon last year, sort of at the very start of the pandemic in a way, right? Um, and having now lived there for for, for one year, um, 
congratulations on your first anniversary. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, can you can kind of take us back to what what drew you there? What was the main attraction? Yeah, sure. So actually, I've always known that I didn't want to live in Belgium, where I'm originally from. And so my initial plan for 2020 was to spend every month of the year in a different city to kind of then determine where I'd want to live because I felt like, oh, I need to try all of these places before I can decide, right? To like, to avoid having FOMO, basically. Like I wanted to make sure I'd covered all the good places. (laughs) That was more it, to be honest. Um, But then COVID happened. So I'd spent January in Valencia. Mm -hmm. I'd spent February in Berlin. And I actually already traveled to Lisbon in March. Um, And I arrived here 10 Mm -hmm. days before everything closed. So I was like, what do I do now? And I decided to go back to Belgium and then um, for the actual lockdown period. And then I came back to Lisbon start of July. And Lisbon was high on my list because I knew I wanted to live somewhere where it was sunny most of the year, um, where there was a big entrepreneurial mm-hmm. but also international community. Um, I wanted a country where I wanted yeah. to learn the language of. So whilst I love Bulgaria, for example, that was not an option for me in that respect. Um, and I wanted to somewhere where to be somewhere where I liked the food, where there was a bit of culture. And um, what I also always have loved about Portugal, because I've been here before, is that the people are very friendly. So all of these things made me yeah. want to try Lisbon for a month, which then turned into two months, which then turned into, I don't know for how long at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Lisbon has actually been a very popular destination. So if you're not alone in, in sort of thinking that, what what is it about Lisbon that, that keeps people coming over? Um, I think for a European city, and especially for a Western European city, Lisbon offers great value. Mm. So you can come here for a week and do a ton of things without spending a lot of money, basically. Mm. Yeah. Um, first of all, if you go to the typical... Um, Portuguese places where the locals go to eat, you can easily have a really nice meal for with a drink for like 10 euros. There's so much to do outside. And with the weather being nice most of the year around, you don't have to go hide in museums, for example. Not that there's anything wrong with museums, but you can do a lot of free things outside all year round. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's important as well. Then Lisbon is very close to some beach towns like Cascais and Estoril. You can hop on a train and be at like a proper beach in half an hour. Mm. Um, Plus the city has really good flight connections and in normal times, usually also low flight prices to most big cities in Europe. So I think it's a combination of those things. And also, even though Lisbon has gained a lot of popularity in the last years, I feel when I talk to people who who come here for the first time that it's still a bit of a lesser known destination. Like it still doesn't have that, oh, Rome has a Colosseum and Paris mm. has the Eiffel Tower. It still feels a bit less explored and it, it has some of its own unique things like the Fado scene, for example, in Lisbon, yeah. which is mm. really big or the azulejos that you like, the typical Portuguese tiles that you see yeah. here everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually one of um, my favorite. I, I always go back to that spread and decay witness uh, Lisbon <laughs> as an example because I love those tiles. Um, yeah, uh, yeah can sure. you can can you kind of explain, um, you know, for visitors kind of first coming to, uh, coming or planning a visit, what are some of the kind of must do things that you think you people need to experience? 
Yeah, I think if you're coming for the first time, the Castello de São Jorge, so the castle of Lisbon, um, mm. is a must. The castle itself is pretty small, like the areas you can visit, but the view from the top is simply amazing. It's probably one of the best sunset destinations in Lisbon. Ah. And ah. Yeah, and I think the castle actually stays open until 9pm or so. So yeah. if you go a bit earlier or later in the season, you can actually catch the sunset from there. Another one of my favorite spots and quite popular is the Miraduro de Graça. It's not that far from the castle, but it's a it's a beautiful viewpoint. It has a large terrace where you can have a drink and you actually have a view both of the castle and the rest of the city while you're having your drink. So it's just a very comfy and nice place to be. Um, another very popular and well-known place is the to go to the Pastéis de Belém. So Lisbon has, well, Portugal has its typical Portuguese custard tarts and the Pastéis de Belém is like one of the typical places to go. They are the only ones doing this recipe. And I actually went there for the first time in 2012. Yeah. When I came back, I was like, oh, should I go? It's probably a bit overhyped. It's so popular. I went back and it was so good. <laughs> like, this is not one of those places that is just like hype. Like, you need to go and you have a coffee and have a pastel de Belém because it's it's really really good. So, is, is is that kind of like a tart, or is it is it kind of is is it a bit different? So it's like, yeah, it's you have a um, a crispy crust on the outside, mm -hmm. and then it's filled with something that's kind a bit of vanilla pudding ish. It's yeah. like custard tart, um, and the top will be a bit burned, but not too much. Like if it's too much, it's not good. But if it's all yellow, it's also not really good. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I moved here, I was actually challenged by a friend to write an article about the best passage, um, the Nata <laughs> in Lisbon. And so I tried 18 places in my first two months here. <laughs> wow. That is... Excellent. I mean, that's a great yeah. assignment as well. No one is... <laughs> I you was know, not, is, yeah, no, I did not mind. It's going to turn that down. <laughs> yeah, I will have to say after 18, it's kind of hard to keep finding differences between all of the places. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. So then actually speaking of sort of things to eat and and, uh, and also importantly drink, um, of all the restaurants that you've been to, Sophie, that especially sort of have spouted up in recent years, can you direct us to any particular place that we must go to? if and when we come over to Lisbon? Oh, I have so many, so you're going to have to stop me on this one. <laughs> um, since I've only lived here a year, I'm not sure which of these are all very recent. I know a few. Mm -hmm. um, one of the places that I would highly recommend, it's a tiny kind of living room restaurant. It's called Batara Dos, so sweet potato. Mm -hmm. And I think it's on the border of Santos and Alcantara, so it's a bit outside of the center center. It fits maybe 12 people. It really has that living room vibe, but the food is just so good. The portions are huge and the staff is super friendly. So I love going there. Um, the only downside it has, and you find this more often with Portuguese restaurants, is that there's no outdoor area. Mm -hmm. um, but that also means that if you go there, you're usually surrounded by just Portuguese people because all of the tourists want to sit outside. 
Yeah, that's a really good tip. Uh, I, I kind of want to know. Um, uh, we had a couple a couple of days ago. We uh, we had a chat just before the podcast uh, um, with you and producer Julia, who also lives in Lisbon, and you guys looked like you were sitting out on a lovely sunny terrace. Uh, <laughs> me and Lucy were really really jealous. <laughs> Whereabouts were you? Well, well, where was that? This was the Fauna and Flora restaurant in Santos. So it's Santos is an area where I would say a lot of expats live. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those cafes that definitely caters to a more international audience. So they will mm. do more international foods, more health foods, etc. Um, but yeah, they have a lovely menu. And as you could see, the terrace outside is great as well. Oh, yeah, it was stunning. It, it was, looked uh, lovely. It's just yeah. like the sun yeah. filtering through on the camera when we could see you. Yeah, it looked like a Zoom background, didn't it? Like you guys <laughs> yeah. weren't actually there, but you were, and we were very envious. Maybe it was. <laughs> Maybe they were just uh, pretending. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. They're just in Julia's front room. <laughs> <laughs> I have many um, more, but there's one place I would love to still recommend if I can, because yeah, I think it's, it's quite unique. It's not Portuguese. It's called Pavilhão Chinês, so the Chinese pavilion. Okay. It's in Príncipe Real, and... You step inside and you enter a different era. The place is made up of five different rooms, which all have floor-to-ceiling cupboards filled with toys from the, both of the world wars. The know. waiters walk around in suits. There's a pool table area. They have a tea menu, which is at least five pages long. I'm a massive tea drinker. You sit in couches like it's re- it really has this big easy vibe. Yeah. Um, it's not the cheapest place to go for drinks. They also do cocktails, etc. But I definitely wouldn't say it's high priced. And you just have to go once because the ambience is so different from anywhere else in Lisbon. I would say. That that's a Ooh. really really interesting shout because I mean in my head Lisbon is very much like kind of you know uh sort of seafood and 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 outside vibes and stuff i wouldn't have it that down as a as having a place like that like a kind of speakeasy vibe at all that's really cool yeah um and and on that kind of theme uh, have you got kind of any more sort of hidden gems that you always kind of you know secretly tell people if you know if if you don't want to tell us that's totally fine that's uh there's a few i might keep to myself but um one I think is not that well, like the restaurant is known, but one building I would recommend going to is the Casa do Alentejo. Mm-hmm. So it's when you step inside, I think it's two floors you can visit and it has this really Moorish feel to it. So it has an inner courtyard. Then there's a little cafe, which is super, super basic, super cheap as well. If you want like a lunch or, or just a cheap beer. And then upstairs, they have a really lovely restaurant with it's just a beautiful setting. Um, but if you don't want to go for the food, just walk inside. Like everybody will let you in and have a look at the courtyard because it's really beautiful. Um, another tip I have is the Tapada dos Necessidades, which is actually the park around the corner from me. I think it's less visited because, again, it's like it's at the edge of the center of Lisbon. Mm-hmm. It's kind of between the center and Belém. But it's a beautiful park. It has cacti. It has succulents. It has an old pavilion. It has a large um, field where you can just rest or have a picnic. There's peacocks living there. There are cool. geese. Yeah, it's 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 a lovely place to go for a stroll or just yeah, spend a chill gorgeous. afternoon. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's lovely. It's lovely. 
And then maybe one last tip for an activity. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's that well known, but I highly recommend doing the street art tour by Lisbon Street Art Tours. It's one of the first kind of activities, tourist activities I did when I got here. And I was just amazed by the passion of our tour guide and how much she knew about the local graffiti and street art scene. I learned so much about the different neighborhoods we went to. And it was a really nice way to get a different perspective mm. of the city. Yeah, that as well. sounds really interesting. I mean, it does. This comes up when we kind of discuss cities on the podcast quite a lot. But it sounds like there's such a a, a kind of harmony between old versus new there, between like kind of um, uh, as you say, like kind of street art and, and castles and towers, and and sometimes kind of working together as well to be repurposed into into cafes and pubs and restaurants and so on. It's. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the, let's say, younger, hipper initiatives that get started here really try to include the local community. Mm. Um, for example, I know that the street art company, they also have a street art collective in Lisbon. And what they do is they organize events to basically paint, you know, empty walls, but they'll include the people living in the neighborhood to come and see like how street art is done what kind of the purpose behind it is. They let them try and paint things themselves. Um, and I really like that. Like, it's not, oh, let's start a thing and do our own thing and exclude everybody else. I yeah. feel like, yeah, that community vibe is still very much alive here, I think, even though it is a capital city. It's kind of building that uh, that creative community and as well as showing that to visitors, it's like kind of involving the locals and, and making something new and changing the city too. That's that's really, yeah. really cool. Well, thank you so much for kind of painting that initial picture of Lisbon for us. Uh, that was wonderful i mean uh i'm still thinking about the 18 different uh i mean what an assignment that is incredible uh but we will uh kind of go on now to talk touch a little bit on uh the events of the past year and how how your kind of first weird year in, in lisbon has been sophie Interested in planning a trip to Lisbon? Get closer to your next adventure with a DKI Witness Guide. Find them in all good bookshops or via the link in our episode bio. So now we'll quickly touch on how the city has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Yep. So um, now we're almost a year and a half into the pandemic. How, is, how have you found, Sophie, um, Lisbon during this time? So when I moved here in July, things were quite open already. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, let's say July to December 2020 was actually really good. I felt like even though there were restrictions and obviously you had to be careful, I could do a lot of things. Um, I could visit lots of places. Most of the time restaurants mm. were open. We could sit outside. So even though I didn't get to spend those first months as I would have in normal times, I do feel like I could say, okay, this is a place that I really want to live in um, and not feel like I was basing it off experiences that were very, very different than they would have been in normal times. Now, I got a bit bummed in January because <laughs> I felt like Portugal was doing so, so well up until Christmas and then I actually flew home to spend Christmas with my family and during that time the Portuguese like I don't know what they did but I came back and things got bad right I think we went from 
less than 2,000 cases a day, even less maybe to 15,000 in just three weeks' time after mm-hmm. Christmas. Okay. Oh, and wow. so I actually got COVID myself in January, oh, wow. even though I'd been super, super careful. So I was really, I got it two days before Lisbon went into lockdown. And then Lisbon stayed in lockdown for three months. Um, and that time I have to say was really hard I think mostly for me because I felt like we'd been doing such a good job here yeah and then it kind of all just blew up and I hadn't expected that Mm -hmm. um things then opened up again in April and you know museums started to open monuments started to open and the more touristy things as well as normal life things um could happen again Mm -hmm. now we're back to rising cases unfortunately Mm. Um, but I still feel like there's a lot of opportunity to go out and to see people in a careful way. And the weather plays a big role in that. That was going to be my question. Sort of in those kind of quieter or sort of those, those moments where the cases were lower, were you able to go out and see the city, Sophie? Were you able yeah. to kind of explore it? Yeah, so I stuck mostly to outdoor act- activities, of course, yeah. but... Lisbon is so beautiful. There's so many beautiful yeah. buildings. There's so many parks. There's so mm. many viewpoints. Mm. So I just did all the outside things that I could do. Yeah. Um, mm. In those lowercase months, like I made sure to, when I ate out, to always eat outside. So I could still try a bunch of restaurants and cafes. I just did everything outside. And then in April, when monuments and museums started opening up, I started to do more of those things. But I, again, I feel like the city has so much outdoor stuff to offer that I've, I've really been focusing on that also because I feel like I don't need to take the risk right now. Mm-hmm. My plan is to live here long term. So if there's a museum that I want to visit or an event I want to go to, I'll just do it next year. Mm-hmm. And have you kind of, uh, is, is that a decision that you've made in the past year, uh, despite the pandemic in a way that you want to live here long term, this is the city for you? Yeah, it's really strange because with some things I'm very indecisive, as in it can take me half an hour to make a choice at the restaurant, what I will eat. (laughs) Um, But when I decided, so last year in August, after about a month and a half of I will move here, um, I kind of always knew that, okay, this is going to be long term. Mm -hmm. And every day I spend in this city, I feel more and more like, okay, this is my place. I moved everything away from Belgium, like I'm fully a Portuguese resident right now, and I definitely plan on on staying here. I know a lot can happen in the future, but right now that's my plan. Does it almost feel a little bit like kind of fate that the pandemic kind of hit when you were in Lisbon and kind of almost stopped your kind of 12 months around Europe kind of uh, Mm. voyage? No, I don't think so. Because like I said, initially I traveled to Lisbon in March and then the pandemic hit and then I went home. So I could have also seen that as a sign of like, oh, it's not meant to be. Yeah, true. I think it's Very more, true. and I'm sorry, mom and dad, if you hear this, but I feel like it felt more like a coming home. Yeah. Mm. I instantly felt so at ease here. And like, this is just, it's my place. I really mm. feel like this is my place. Yeah. Because because there there's a growing kind of community of expats in, in Lisbon as well, as we know from Julia, <laughs> maybe, maybe living out there. But um, uh, um, uh, it's, uh, it sounds like such a kind of friendly, cool place to live. And in terms of like the, you know, final thing kind of about the pandemic, really, um, how have local businesses kind of uh, found 
found the, the the past year or so have have one shut down have many survived uh it's it, i think it's kind of getting back to normal it's been hard i think it's been really hard it's all, portugal also is in the country like belgium for example where local businesses get loads of government support mm. um and i have even when i came back in july after my short trip in march i already noticed some places had closed down Mm-hmm. Um, there are shops now that I see that have more limited opening hours than they did before. Um, what I do think is restaurants and local businesses have been quite good at adapting to takeaway and making use of services like Bolt and Uber for food delivery. Um, but I've also talked to some people and it is hard. Like even yesterday, I was so sad because... Someone recommended the Jazz Club to me, Hot Club Portugal. It's been around for 15 years and I've been dying to go. And yesterday I read in a newspaper that they're closing down permanently no. because of COVID. Oh, no. And oh, I was like, no, that is, that is so sad. And I'm sure there's lots of other like mom and pop places that I haven't heard of yet, but that have also had to close down. You yeah. can also see it walking through the streets, you know, places that haven't been open in a while or shop windows that have been taped off, for example. Um, it's not, it doesn't look deserted, not at all, but you can definitely see the effects of the pandemic, yeah. That's mm. uh, uh, awful to hear, really. But, um, yeah. but also, I guess, hopefully, quite a few places have survived or will be able to start up again eventually. And, yeah. Yeah, I think there's also been some new places opening, so mm. I... I mean, it doesn't feel like people are not willing to take that risk anymore. So there's a few new cafes that have opened, um, some pop-up clothing stores, for example. You can see people still taking that initiative. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, it's been a rough time and I think we're not going to see the full effects for at least another six months or so. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's the case kind of throughout yeah. Europe, really. Um uh well okay well we'll we'll kind of try and address what the what the future might hold and, and try and paint a more uh, a, a sort of positive picture of of things in lisbon in our next section i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. As things will hopefully get better in the coming months, let's start discussing what travel to Lisbon will look like when we can finally go there. Yes, obviously Lisbon has been a very popular city break for a few years now. Sophie, what do you think might have changed for visitors since kind of the start of the pandemic? 
to be honest, I'm not that worried about tourism bouncing back once things turn back to normal because I'm in a lot of groups where people who are interested in traveling to Portugal post questions before they come here and I see that there's still a very big interest in visiting Lisbon. Mm -hmm. um, I also feel because, like I said, even though cases are rising here again, there is still so much to do outside. So people yeah. are still visiting and it's it's never felt like tourism has come to a complete stop, aside yeah. maybe from those three lockdown months. Um, so for people visiting here, I don't think they will feel the effects as much because everything is still open, even though there are restrictions on opening times. They've also just announced yesterday, I don't know how long that's going to uh, last, that you need a PCR test to go inside of restaurants. But so... Because travel has never fully stopped, I also don't think it's going to have that much of an effect in the future. And I think that tour that the earlier tourists coming back to Lisbon will actually benefit from lower hotel prices, for example, because mm. there's just so much choice right now. And people in tourism, in the tourism industry, are desperate to get more revenue in. Um, so I think there's definitely going to be opportunities there. And and. Good. We sort of touched on um uh like kind of music and culture early. You mentioned like the Fado scene. Um, are there kind of any uh are there any like kind of big events planned to in, uh, to mark sort of like the calendar in the next year? Um, is, is, are kind of like festivals and and so on kind of coming back? Um, yeah. So for two thousand twenty one, I'm still seeing that the large events are being postponed till mm -hmm. next year. Um, smaller outdoor concerts and even indoor concerts are happening already, like Fado concerts or bar concerts, for example. I think one that everybody here is looking forward to, both locals and expats, is the month of June in 2022, because mm. the month of June in Lisbon is really the month of the patron saint festivals. It's when the whole city lights up, everybody bakes barbecues, sardines outside, um, puts up decorations in the street. And that is something we haven't been able to have this year. Mm. Yeah. So I think that will be a major event um, yeah, for next year. And then one big other festival that I'm personally looking forward to, which isn't actually in Lisbon itself, it's in Qashqais, is the EDP Cool Jazz Festival. Because mm -hmm. that has been postponed for two years now because of COVID, I think, yeah. Um, and John Legend is performing there and I really want to go. Um, so yeah, that's a major event that's supposed to be happening as well next year and that I'm very much looking forward to. Fantastic. Awesome. I just realized like we haven't quite explained what Fado is and uh, to the uninitiated. Um, and I, I, I've sort of seen it on TV, but I haven't really kind of uh, fully embraced what it actually is. Can you kind of explain it a little bit, Sophie? Yeah, now I hope I'm not going to get angry emails from Portuguese <laughs> listeners because I haven't really driven into all of the history of it. But I would say it's um, it's a very melancholic, sad kind of music. It's almost and like balladeering a little bit, isn't it? It's kind of like, but sadder, mm, maybe. More true emotional Mm. I would say like it really comes from deep inside mm. and it can be, it doesn't necessarily have to be about love. It can be about everyday things. It can be about a feeling you have for the city that you live in. Um, and 
for me, for example, because I started learning Portuguese when I lived here, Fado was really hard for me to understand because it's sung with so much emotion mm. that the words become more rhythm than they are actually words sometimes. Um, yeah, I think, I think that it, a sad, very emotionally heavy type of music that is typical for Portugal is how I would very briefly describe it. I'm sure there's a lot more to say about that, but I'm not going to risk saying anything that's not correct. <laughs> I, I, well, I know, I know that's definitely something you can read about in, in some of our guides as well. Yeah. Maybe I'll go and revisit those pages after, after, <laughs> exactly. after, after this. Um, so then obviously you mentioned um, June, Sophie, which does sound like an awesome time to be in Lisbon, but sort of outside of the pandemic, when is the best time to visit? Is there a particular month or a particular season that, you know, our listeners should visit? I would recommend spring and fall um, because the summer can get really, really warm. Mm. And yeah. if you like really warm, that's great. But it's also, it's a summer holidays everywhere. So it will be the busiest season of the year. Whereas in spring, especially late April and May, you have all the jacarandas blooming which are the big trees with the with the purple flowers and it's just gorgeous they're all over the city it's it's amazing and then in fall you have the benefit that the weather is still very nice but it's not that warm anymore the kids have gone to school again so you kind of have the same feeling as you have in spring just with different flowers blooming for example cool and cuz i know in, in in the summer like Lisbon can be the hottest, uh, has been the hottest place in Europe a few years, hasn't it? It's, it can get up to sort of 40 degrees centigrade almost. Yeah, I actually had that last summer when I was here. So it was like 36, 38 most of the week in summer. I loved it. I was like, yes, I'm so happy I moved. Um, it's been a bit cooler now. And when I say cooler, I would say like between 25 and 30 degrees, which I think is perfect. Okay. Um, but it can, it can get really hot in the city, yes. Yeah, because I know it's always it's between Lisbon and Seville when you see like those hottest places in like hottest cities in Europe kind of uh, bits in the paper. Um, but it's lovely to to hear that it's like twenty five thirty degrees now. That, that must Sounds be lovely, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think I will go Absolutely. for a walk after this recording. <laughs> Good idea. And, Good and, idea. And kind of like uh, kind of finally, how about you, Sophie? So obviously you're you're set up in Lisbon now. Um, you. Uh, you blog and you write about travel have you got any kind of plans coming up um yes actually next week i'm going to ericeira which is about 40 minutes by car from lisbon it's more up north mm -hmm. it's known as a surf town which is supposed to also have a bit of a hippie vibe i'll need to report about that when i get back but yeah i'm going <laughs> there for five days just as a little bit with a friend and then later this summer, I'm going to spend a week in the north of Portugal. I'll be based in Braga and I'll do day trips to cities like Guimarães. I'm going to go to Gerej, the national park. Um, and hopefully it'll be a bit cooler there when it's going to be really, really hot in Lisbon. Cool. So really kind of getting to know P Portugal and moving out of the city as well and, and getting around. Yeah, that's really my goal. Yeah, since things have opened up, I have gotten that travel itch again. Yeah. But Portugal is such a beautiful country and I'm really looking forward to traveling more locally. I also brought my car over, by the way, from Belgium. So now I'm completely set to do day trips and week trips and go to all the places. 
Fantastic. Perfect. Well, we look we look forward to hearing all about them. Uh, <laughs> but for now, thank you so much for joining us. That was oh, that was. Thank you, Sophie. That was Thanks brilliant. for having Sophie. me. Had a good time. Lovely to see you in in Lisbon. Lovely to hear about you going kind of getting set up as well. It's a bit of a different story, really. Someone kind of moving yeah. in the pandemic and really kind of inspiring about how much of Lisbon you've made your home now. It's it's fantastic to hear. So best of luck with everything, and uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. So once again, an enormous thank you to Sophie. That was that was fascinating. And oh, it was great, wasn't it? I really felt like I was there. And um, frankly, I just want a pastel, pastel donata, whatever they're called. I want, I want one now. All 18. All 18. Going, yeah. <laughs> going around in a circle throughout the city. Um, no, it sounds wonderful. I mean, I've never been to Lisbon. I've been to Porto before. Um, I know they're very, very different cities as well, but mm. um, but I could you really got kind of got a flavour of it, and it kind of myth busted a few things about Lisbon for me as well. I yes, thought it was true. quite a sort of seasidey, you know, nice nice destination, but I really love some of the sort of cultural bits and pieces, some of the yeah. really cool restaurants and stuff as well. I it, know oh, all the food and drink, please. Such a such a fantastic place. Well, um, uh, so that actually marks your final appearance uh, of where to go on where to go this season. Don't worry, yes. listener. Lucy is coming back. Hopefully, I hope to come back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't leave us now. Don't leave us now because uh, in the ne- in the next episode we're we're, we're heading to Edinburgh and yes. we have a guest host in uh, in DK Eyewitness editor Danielle Watt who is now living up in Edinburgh. So and she is from Edinburgh, so it makes total sense. Yes, That's absolutely. So she presents. We well, yes, yeah. You're you're handing this one over. Um, it still <laughs> yeah. makes no sense why I'm presenting it. I mean, I've been to Edinburgh a few times. <laughs> but, but still who knows um i'm apparently still on the roster though um so <laughs> but but a huge thank you for everything you've done uh th- this season lucy um oh. as i say listener you will you will hear lucy in the future um and um but yeah join us again next time where we will be over in edinburgh um and yeah let's uh, speak to you soon lucy thank you for everything bye james thanks bye, and, and thanks to julia too and uh yeah catch us then uh, see you later where to Go was produced by the team at DK Witness and the wonderful Julia Baker. It was presented by James Atkinson and Lucy Richards. For more information about DK Witness, follow us on social media at DK Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. Just a quick reminder, if you've liked what you've heard today, your support means everything to us. So please like, subscribe and rate. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.